Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Coffee Connections. My name is Seth Weiner, and I am your auctioneer. It's Thursday. I know Tuesday, I thought it was Thursday. Now it's Thursday, and I know it's Thursday, but I can't tell you what day of the, I mean, year, or I forget year, like month it is, because I swear on Monday it was 20 degrees, and right now it's like 70, which is awesome. Not complaining. Uh, folks, we got a great show in store for you tonight, today, this afternoon, whenever you're really watching it. But I do want to say a couple things. I want to remind everybody that as the holidays are coming near, we've got a special, special invitation for all of our past guests. Everyone that has been on the show, come on back on Thursday, December 17th, because we're spinning the wheel and someone is going to win a package, a travel package uh, donated by HGA Fundraising that we're going to be giving away to one of our uh, nonprofits that we've talked with and they can use that package by the way not for them uh, it's not a vacation package for them it's something they can use to auction off or to do anything with to, as long as it raises them funds so we want to give back to those who have uh, given us their time and shared and all the wonderful thing all work they're doing um Next up, though, we uh, next week on Tuesday the 15th, career up now, Bradley Cook. I mentioned that it's the 17th, the Jewish Federation, and we close the season, the year off with Ladies of Favor on Tuesday the 22nd. Now, I never really plug your rocktioneer, but I want to plug something really quick to you all, uh, for you all. So here's a quick commercial. Hey, everyone. My name is Seth Weiner, and I am your rocktioneer. Join me. This Thursday and Friday for ATL Collective, Stand With The Band, Virtual Fundraiser, Concert, and Auction. Performances by Group Love, The Midnight, David Ryan Harris, Prisca, Lola Cole, and Chelsea Shag. Go to atlcollective.org for more information, and I'll see you Thursday night. So hopefully you all can join us tonight, uh, Thursday, which is happening, atlcollective.com. Uh, the cause that they're doing, they're raising money for a really cool thing. They're raising money for the live music industry, the, not just the performers, but the industry in general. So the lighting designer, the hospitality, everyone who's struggling right now, they're trying to raise money for the Atlanta live music community. So big kudos to them for doing that. Uh, and folks, today on Coffee Connections, let's jump into it, shall we? Oh, uh, we shall. We've got Jeremy Katz. The Bremen Museum. Now, uh, William Bremen Jewish Heritage Museum is a cultural center in Atlanta dedicated to Jewish history, culture, and arts with special emphasis on Georgia and the Holocaust. 
Jeremy Katz, is in charge of a very uh, crucial piece of the Jewish Atlanta history, the archives. Yes, he is the uh, director of the archives there at the Bremen Jewish Heritage Museum. And he's worked there since 2013, although he looks like he probably just got out of college. I know it's, it's, it's very confusing. He's uh, also been a resident at the Virginia Highland uh, Moshi House since 2016. Uh, he moved. Uh, uh, he's from Ohio. Uh, and in 2010, uh, he graduated and moved to Atlanta in 2013. After getting a master in arts history, he served as a uh, selection, a section editor uh, for the academic journal Southern Jewish History and published an article in the 2016 edition profiling, profiling two Jewish Atlanteans, or ATLians as we like to call them, who served in the Israeli Air Force during the 1948-1949 War of Independence. He was also one of Atlanta Jewish Times 40 under 40. So I was a lot of there. Let's bring Jeremy into it. Hey, Jeremy, how are you, sir? Hi, Seth. I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on and highlighting the Bremen Museum today. Absolutely. And happy Hanukkah. It's the first night. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah to you too, and everybody watching. So let's have a little coffee chat, shall we? A little coffee talk uh, before we get into it. Um, do you drink coffee? <sighs> yeah, I knew you were going to ask that. I'm, I'm not a coffee drinker, but it, it's funny though. I Thanks really love Thanks for joining coffee. in, everyone. Have a good day. <laughs> I was going to follow up and say that I love coffee flavored sweets. I know, but yeah. I also love the smell of coffee too. Um, I just don't really like the taste of of coffee itself it just you know hmm. i know it's odd but um so my wife she's an avid coffee drinker and so uh for actually for hanukkah one year every night i got her a different themed coffee gift so at one night was a bean grinder the other night was a chemex oh. the next night was a re reusable filter for the chemex um and so uh this year it was no different i got her Oh, she, she's listening now, so she can hear what I got her. Uh -oh. But it's the first day, you know, so she'll she'll find out tonight, anyways. But I get her a subscription to this uh, coffee uh, service that sends you a single origin, ethically sourced coffee uh, every month, and it's really smells amazing. I mean, people say it tastes great. I don't like the taste, but um, I can tell you that it smells really good. Hey, aromas. Uh, there's a lot to be said about aroma. So if you're gonna, yeah. that's an it's a lovely gift, by the way. Um, Thank you. I should t I should look into that. I should be giving that gift to all of you that join me on Coffee Connections. Atlas Coffee Co <laughs> Coffee, something like that. Atlas Coffee. Our new sponsor. <laughs> so, if you don't drink coffee, do you and you and you like the smell? Do you smell it? Do you have a coffee mug that you like smell coffee out of? Um, I just like to just stick my head in the bag. You know, when you open it up, they got that little perforated hole. But I do. I did oh, yeah, bring I a coffee it. mug. Yeah. Uh, well, I got take this a look actually. At this here. I got this um, as a graduation present in high school um, when I was going off to Ohio State to do my undergrad. So that's a that's a relic right there. That should be in the archives. You know, it's like a couple decades old now. Um, so, it, what's it like in the cat's household? Then is it like? Uh, oh, by the way, congratulations! You recently got married. So, Mazel Tov on that. Thank you, thank you. But is it like uh, everything in your house? Like she's like, you know, Jeremy. She's Jewish. So she's got to be like, Jeremy, we're going to throw this. You should throw this away. And you're like, no, no, no. It's sentimental. It's all, we, we're archiving this. I mean, you're not a hoarder, right? Um, I have some hoarder tendencies, as uh, she's in her words. Um, she's very good at organizing. So, And I'm very good at cleaning. 
So uh, we are a very good team. So she organizes, I dust and sweep and all that. Um, but yeah, it's a battle. You know, I'm I'm very sentimental too. I like to keep things that mean something to me and file them away like I do in the archives. Um, but um, she's she stays on top of of the clutter. So I, I'm happy to say that our our apartment is is very organized and clean too. Mm, wonderful, wonderful. All right. Now, if anyone from the Bremen is listening, you better be careful because you might not just be the archivist, but they're going to start being janitorial as well. <laughs> um, so let me hand the mic over to you, Jeremy. Please tell everyone all about the museum. Yeah. Well, again, th thank you so much, Seth, for featuring the Bremen Museum. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, our mission is to connect people to Jewish history, culture, and arts. And we do that through a myriad of avenues. Uh, first and foremost is our physical space, which is closed right now. So we've had to pivot and be creative this year. But um, before I get to that, I'll describe our physical space, which opened in 1996. Uh, and we're named after Bill Bremen, William Bremen, who was our benefactor who gave us the seed money to open. We opened right before the Summer Olympic Games in 1996. And uh, we have three gallery spaces, one that is dedicated to the Holocaust and was designed, the exhibition was designed by a Holocaust survivor and features lots of local stories from survivors who settled in the region. So it's a very unique and hyper-local exhibition. We also have uh, our, our next gallery uh, features Southern Jewish history. Uh, currently on display is 18 Artifacts, a story of Jewish Atlanta. And it tells the story of Atlanta through 18 artifacts, referring to that really symbolic number in Judaism, high, 18. Um, and it chronicles Atlanta's growth from this small little railroad town. People forget that Atlanta was this little country mountain town, railroad town back in the 1800s. And uh, today is now this thriving international metropolitan area. And how the Jewish community all along the way from the very beginning has um, um, aided in Atlanta's growth and and um, all of the people don't realize that, you know, that um, some of the major icons of Atlanta, including Henry Grady Hospital, uh, the Atlanta Braves, Home Depot, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Emory, Georgia Tech, all of these institutions that when we think of Atlanta have origins in the Jewish community. Uh, and then our third gallery is uh, focused on a special exhibition. So we bring in a, a new exhibition roughly every three to four months uh, that focuses on our mission to connect people to Jewish history, culture, and arts. And this is where we kind of get to be creative um, and um, kind of push, uh, test, test the waters of what um, our mission is and what people want to see. So currently uh, we are focusing on photography and we have an exhibition of the work of Herb Schnitzer, who was a uh, photographer for, uh, and, uh, photographed a lot of jazz musicians, particularly when he was working for a publication called Metronome. And so we have original images that he took of Miles Davis and Louis Armstrong uh, on our walls right now. And um, because of the pandemic, we actually turned that into a virtual exhibition. So if you go to our website, you can actually explore that, um, explore that exhibition as if you were there in person. Uh, and I will say that we're also changing out our Atlanta Jewish History exhibition uh, next year to a, uh, a new exhibition called History with Chutzpah, Stories Told and Untold, that's gonna be featured featuring lots of artifacts and documents and imagery from the archives and focused on um, our mission 
particularly to tell the Southern Jewish his history experience. Um, so stay tuned for more details as we have those emerge. And it will be in conjunction with our 25th anniversary celebration in gala next year. So uh, lots of exciting things coming down, uh, uh, going on at the museum next year too. Well, that's some outstanding stuff there. And uh, I didn't realize that. So, you know, in Atlanta, is this the only Holocaust uh, uh, museum or is there another Holocaust museum? There's also the Georgia Holocaust Commission um, that has a Anne Frank exhibition up in Sandy Springs, but we are, we are Georgia's Jewish museum. Um, there really mm -hmm. isn't anybody else that does what we do uh, in terms of our our space, in terms of our programming, in terms of our exhibitions. I didn't even get to that. And beyond our physical space, we do tons of uh, programming. Uh, a lot of that's been um, now gone virtual this year, mm -hmm. uh, doing lots of different uh, offerings online uh, because of the pandemic. Um, and, and beyond uh, virtual programs, uh, we offer all sorts of different um, educational tools to, to teachers. A big portion of our visitorship is uh, our students. We get about over 13,000 school students every year through the doors of the museum. Um, it's actually, Georgia is one of the few students. states that actually mandates that. Yeah, mandate, they mandate the uh, education of the Holocaust oh. in Georgia. So we get ten, uh, over 13,000 school students that come through our doors every year. Uh, and so we um, do a lot of Holocaust education um, among lots of other things that we offer to the community. Yeah, I mean, I was t I was talking to someone about this the other day. I mean, I'm 43, not to age myself there, but you know, I remember going to Temple and n seeing the Holocaust survivors with the numbers on them, etc. Uh, you know, my son's never going to see that in person. Well, most likely won't. You know, and and it's it's what what's happening. What your museum is offering. You know, the, my son's seven, so by the time he's 13, you know, 15, and he's being exposed to it, um, yeah, it's just a uh, it's, it's the the real the one main link that and I, I'm so where I'm getting with this is I'm curious like the Holocaust you said the Holocaust survivors though that they contributed to it so that's that's really powerful because I would imagine that they they were able to really shape the story in a way that's very impactful. Yeah, totally. Um, you know our stories are very local to the survivors who came and settled in Atlanta, which is a unique story in itself of these survivors coming over in the mid 20th century and Atlanta at that point was a very different city than we know today and how they came and made and remade their lives here, came here with nothing and uh, their lives had been completely upended in Europe and coming here and, and uh, becoming a part of this community. Uh, and we, the archives in particular, we do a, a ton of collecting related to the survivor community. We wanna capture those stories so we, we conduct oral histories with them. We, you know, collect their documents, um, photographs, artifacts, and preserve those in the archives. And not only mm. just preserve them, but also make them as accessible as possible. Um, so one big project that we focused on this year was um, completely overhauling our collection catalog system. Our system was uh, decades old and um, was really in need of an overhaul. And we were very fortunate to get a grant from the Bremen Foundation late last year to overhaul it uh, to a brand new system that puts us on the same playing field as the likes of Yale and Georgia Tech and of these leading archival institutions across the country. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it actually worked out great because um, you know this year has been so challenging. We haven't been able to really be in the museum and the archives as much as we really usually are. 
Um, but because we're overhauling our collection catalog, we've been able to really continue our work unabated because we've been able to focus on that project, which we can do completely from home, from the safety of our home. So we've done a ton of work in completely uh, migrating our catalog system to a 21st century system that makes our content more accessible than ever before. And do other museums uh, reach out to you for uh, cross ex uh, exhibiting and things like that? Oh yeah, all the time. Uh, we work closely with uh, regional Jewish museums as well as um, museums that focus on lots of other topics. Uh, for example, just a couple weeks ago, we had the curator from the Museum of the Southern Jewish Experience. They're opening in New Orleans. Uh, they're supposed to open this fall, but they're opening uh, early next year because of the pandemic. Um, and they came to the museum a couple weeks ago and picked up some artifacts that were lending them from the archives to go on display in their museum when they open uh, in a few months. So we work closely with other institutions uh, to travel exhibitions between institutions, uh, to lend them objects for their exhibitions, to share our resources. Uh, another great thing about this collection catalog system that we're migrating to is that it can be easily shared with other institutions. So we're going to be a part of the first ever statewide oh. harvest of what's called uh, Archive Space is the collection management system. We're going to be a part mm -hmm. of the first ever statewide Archive Space harvest by the Digital Library of Georgia. So we'll really amplify what we're doing by migrating to these new systems that can sync with other institutions. So in a way, it's, I mean, let's be real, right? Like 2020 gave us all this pause and you were able to pounce on that pause and, and get caught up on your archiving, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's provided some unique opportunities, some silver lining. Um, we all, the archives also does a ton of uh, in-person programming, which we had to right. cancel a number of programs because of that. But we've actually pivoted to offering virtual programs. And we've uh, seen another silver lining there where we're reaching hundreds of people that we wouldn't have reached otherwise and had some really significant programs. We had a program last week that had 600, over 600 people on it. Um, which wow. would, you know, would never really happen. We wouldn't, have, we don't want to have the cap capacity to host that many people at the museum itself. So, mm -hmm. um, there's definitely some silver linings to the pandemic yeah. and we're trying to pivot and, you know, what, what are the, what's the saying, you know, never let a good crisis go to waste. <laughs> uh, um, so I'm thinking here, like with an organization such as yourself and the opportunity to go, all that you just said. Now that you've gone virtual, do you go back? I mean, yes, you go back, but do you keep virtual with you? I mean, is it like now that people are, are you going to, these the exhibits, are you going to continue going virtual with them? Yeah, I think that that, you know, um, I heard the other day that this really kind of advanced organizations and technology by about a decade. Um, the pandemic really brought on this huge change in the industry. And I think that there always mm -hmm. will be, virtual experiences offered uh, in much greater uh, capacity than there was prior to the pandemic. But I think people still want that in-person experience. I mean, that For that sure. is, you can't really replace that in-person experience where, you know, we go to uh, one of our biggest series was called Historic Jewish Atlanta Tours, and they would sell out mm -hmm. within 48 hours. And we go to actual sites where the history occurred and there's, you can't really replace going to a physical site and walking around and having a, a guided tour with someone who has really studied the material and, and giving you this intentional mm -hmm. tour and you're seeing it and you're hearing it and you're all the sensory around that. 
I don't think you can really replace that. So I'm excited, um, like many people, for the pandemic to come to an end and be able to return to that in-person programming. But I think that there is something that we've really um, found something here that we weren't really didn't have uh, our radar on before the pandemic. I mean, before the pandemic, we were like, why would we do virtual programming when we can do it in person and have that interaction in person? Um, but I think that this has really opened a lot of doors and a lot of possibilities for, you know, a combination of both so that we can reach both local people and people that can't travel to the museum because of distance or income or whatever the or disability or whatever it may be to really uh, reach new audiences through a virtual platform. Yeah. And how did last night go? You had uh, Naranana, you had uh, Joe on there, right? Yeah, Joe's been amazing. Um, we've partnered with him a lot. Uh, during this year and um, he's he's such a talented musician and um, you know, we, we always try to partner as much as possible with local organizations and Naranana uh, has been such a wonderful partner uh, we've uh, done a lot of partnering with the Southern Jewish Historical Society uh, that was a program we did last week where we had Alfred Yuri as the keynote speaker he's the author of Driving Miss Daisy the only person to win the Tony Award the Academy Award and the Pulitzer Prize, uh, he um, was incredible. He talked about race and religion in his works. Um, so we tried to, and that's also a silver lining of the pandemic is that it's really forced a lot of organizations that may have been, uh, not in competition with each other, but kind of have their own missions and their own agendas. Uh, this has really forced organizations to um, come together and pool resources and and work uh, together in a way that uh, would probably wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the pandemic. So um, we uh, the partnerships that we formed and have, have grown during this pandemic is is also a part uh, uh, something that we can look back on once this is all over and say you know what's what's keep this going you know we have some synergy uh-huh. here. Not only that, but. Just imagine in 60 years, you can have an exhibit just on that. Exactly. So, yeah, that's another big part of what we've done is we've uh, done a lot of collecting during we've done some in real time active collecting, which typically with archives, you wait until 10 years after an event to collect on it because you want to make sure that it is something that historians will want to research one day. But we know how, you know, we're living through history right now. And so we've partnered with. George Mason University, um, the Institute for Southern Jewish Life, all, all of these different institutions around the country uh, and created this online portal where people can donate directly through this online portal, images, stories, um, mm. and, and share that with us so that we can one day tell this story uh, of how members of the Jewish community adapted uh, and, and tried to survive this in a uh, really unique time in history. Um, so yeah, one day there will be a, a exhibition with face masks. We got some like a face masks in uh, from people that created, you know, made them themselves and uh, out of kippas, which is really interesting. Uh, so yeah, one day there definitely will be an exhibition about the coronavirus. <laughs> I bought a um, I bought a face mask. Uh, I'm a big fish fan, and so there's a. Like, I am too. That's my right? favorite band. Are you really? Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, I've been to like that? thirty shows. Um. 160 but oh no man, one's yeah, you got me way <laughs> eclipsed <laughs> i wish i wish i'd been that many i would get a lot uh, of my white pardon. whales 
Oh yeah. Oh man. So so okay. So I got this fish mask I bought online, and it's a it's a donut mask. Got a donut. Get yeah. it now. But here's the thing. I swear to you, no one made this mask. It was a it's a yamaka. It's a keepa. I'm serious. It's, it's, <laughs> I'm, and it, it looks funny as a mask. And I'm like, any rate, this so it's too round. It's a yeah. real. It's a, it's a real keeper, you know? Um, the other thing uh, about, I was going to say, is uh, during the pandemic, everyone's talking about, oh, everyone's making sourdough bread, sourdough bread. I bet if you did a study, this year was the most challahs ever made at home. I mean, how, every yeah, organization a had a challah making contest, you know? I mean, contest, sorry. Let's do a survey. Uh, virtual yeah. lesson. <laughs> um, yeah, we started doing well, that too. We had a cooking class like not that long ago where um, – one of our uh, supporters made, uh, she made some matzah, uh, like, I forget what it's called. It's like, it was like caramel covered matzah and it was one of our programs. Oh. It, was, it was, yeah. So everybody's, everybody's gotten in the kitchen and trying to, fo- you know, they're, they're focusing inward, you know, instead of outward and, and trying to they're better themselves. They're focusing inward and growing outward. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true too. Yeah, the quarantine, 15. Uh, I've, I've been running, so I went the opposite direction, but... That's, that's it's not, good. It's not the easiest thing. Yeah. I guess you're eating in more, I guess. Hopefully. So it's healthier. You know, you're not eating oh, yeah. out as much maybe. Well, yeah, that's, that's a big part of it. Um, I also, I get a lot, like a lot of folks, I decided to cut back on just eating meat and just, you know, just cutting back on how I eat and what I put in. Um, but that's, that's great. That's not why we're here. We're here to talk about the museum. One of the questions I have is about fundraising. It costs money to keep this going, and you're you're a nonprofit organization. Where do you raise money? Is it individual donors? Is it um, you mentioned the foundation? So where does where's most yeah. of your funding come? Yeah, a big chunk of our funding. So we have an operating budget about one point seven million. Uh, a big chunk of that oh. comes from foundations, uh, from our our membership. Uh, membership is a huge chunk of our operating budget. So thank you to all the people that support the museum through their memberships. And this has been a challenging year because we're, our doors are closed, but we're still trying to offer as many benefits to our members as possible. And our, our members have responded tremendously in renewing their support uh, even during a, a very challenging year. So uh, thank you so much to all of our members out there. Um, we also get an, an, uh, another challenge, challenging part of this year is our visitorship. Uh, you know, we right. charge admission to the museum. We charge for different programs uh, to attend different programs. And so, um, you know, all of our, our our virtual programs have been free because uh, oh, everybody nice else is making okay. it free. Yeah, we, we, we're looking into monetizing it. But, um, oh, you know, are people donating them, though when they come. Yeah. So we, we do a lot of uh, pushes, uh, pushing for donations with follow up emails and during programs. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have had success there. Um, so, uh, you know, um, that has been a, a challenge this year, but the foundations, um, have been incredibly supportive. Federation has also been incredibly supportive and, and they've also been stretched thin cause they're also giving to, um, right. talking about the Jewish federations, um, you know, they're giving to the, you know, the aged home for the, you know, the William Bremen Jewish, uh, home, which is, um, I mean, obviously a high priority uh, in you know, housing people that are high risk for COVID, and so um, they've been tremendously supportive of the community and of the museum. Um, so it, it's a lot of different avenues and streams that we get mm-hmm. funding in. Um, but yeah, obviously this year has been a challenge because we don't have that visitorship. Our members aren't getting as many benefits as they normally get. But uh, luckily the foundations 
in the grants uh, have been tremendous in terms of the support this year. That's that's fantastic. And folks, you can go to the Bremen, B-R-E-M-A-N, so thebremen.org. Uh, and that's where you can make a donation and check out all the programming they have, the the virtual tours, etc. Now, the, the stuff that you did, the concerts and stuff, do you still have a link on to that for people to check? Yeah, um, all of our programs are recorded and made available on our YouTube page. So if you just Google the Bremen YouTube page, uh, YouTube, um, it, we also have a Vimeo page, if, uh, a little bit higher quality on Vimeo. So if you go to our Vimeo page, you can also see our programs there too. Oh, one awesome. last thing I want to plug yeah, yeah, for is sure. we wrote a book uh, by yours truly. Uh, it's oh, coming wow. out next okay, month. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, it's written by uh, me and a, a, a team of uh, a committee members that helped me vet everything. It features uh, it's published by Arcadia Publishing, and it'll be out January twenty fifth uh, next year. And so uh, it features uh, two hundred images from uh, the vast uh -huh. majority, of which come from the archives, and they document Jewish uh, life in Atlanta from the very beginning until today, just before the pandemic, really, until twenty twenty. Um, so that's, get your copy incredible. today. All the author's royalties go to the, support the Bremen Museum. So another revenue stream if you want to support the museum. Um, Pre-sale begins soon, uh, and you'll be able to get your copy on January 25th. And where are they going to put it? On their coffee table. On their coffee table, and they can read it while they drink their coffee and watch Coffee that's Connection. Right. <laughs> so that that's fantastic. Congratulations <laughs> on that. That's super Thank exciting. You. and. Um, where did you, uh, before we close things out here, just out of curiosity, um, where did you get the uh, drive to, uh, to be an archivist, to, to, to dig into all that? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I kind of fell into the field in all honesty. I, uh, was a undergrad at Ohio state studying history. I loved taking history classes. I didn't really have an end game. Um, and I hadn't even seen my advisor. Uh, so I decided my senior year rolled around. I was like, I probably should go see my advisor. Um, and, uh, I decided that I really liked history, but I didn't really want to be a teacher. Um, and I didn't want to just read about it in a book. I wanted something more hands-on, more practical. So I took an internship, uh, with the local Jewish historical society and helped them create an exhibition about Jewish life in central Ohio. And I loved, my job was to research all the artifacts that they had collected and create the labels to go into the exhibition. And I absolutely loved that. Uh, and then when I was home for, um, the high holidays, I was at synagogue and I ran into my history teacher who was a member of the synagogue. And he told me about, I told him that I love, you know, this idea of going and working in museums or archives. And he told me about a, a program, uh, a graduate program at Wright State University in my hometown of Dayton, Ohio. Uh, and um, so I met, went and met with the director of the program. We hit it off. And at the end of our, our meeting, she says, do you want to hold an original print of the first flight. So they had all the Wright brothers papers at, uh, in the special collections of archives. So I went into the vault and held an original print in the first flight. And from that moment on, I knew I wanted to be an archivist. That's awesome. So they had the rights to the rights. They had the rights to the rights. Yeah. <laughs> that's really cool. <laughs> they I mean, have that's such cool stuff. It was such cool stuff. Yeah. But I mean, like, I would be afraid to touch it. I'd be like, I don't want like, oh, the oils. It was like all in cellophane. It was all covered and like it was out of a vault, you know, like out of a uh -huh. uh, literally a, like a bank vault. Um, uh -huh. They have so much cool stuff related to the Wright brothers. I mean, they have like uh, their medals that they were awarded overseas and all these correspondence mm. and blueprints and 
uh, it's really a, an amazing, amazing archive there. Yeah. And, and let's be real also, like we, we think we're so advanced and stuff and we are, but, um, it wasn't that long ago, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, and no, respect to so many years. other things. It was really not yeah. that long ago. It really wasn't that long ago when they were just learning how to take flight and look at where we are now, you know, landed on the moon, you know, literally 60 years later after that. Like that's, that's an incredible that's, leap forward. That really is. That really is. And now we're uh, streaming, you know, so yeah maybe maybe not as maybe not as <laughs> leaping as as going to the moon but uh we'll but, be able you to know, stream once you know what it is there. i guess the fact that my mother can use zoom i think that's like a man on the moon you know what i mean yeah that is definitely one giant leap for mankind <laughs> you can click a link and connect with your loved ones i think that that is and make it that foolproof um yes, that is that definitely yeah. Uh, well, they said the Spanish flu pandemic was really what drove uh, telephones to take off because that was kind of a new technology huh. then. So maybe it'll be the same for video calls and Zooming and God knows what else. God knows what else. Well, um, I want to thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure talking with you folks. I want to encourage you again, please visit the website, thebremen.org uh, and consider making a donation while there and checking out all the information and bring your kids when the museum ba opens back up, bring your family, bring your kids. I look forward to coming out there and uh, seeing the, ex seeing some exhibits. Um, I wasn't aware of you all until, until recently. So um, bad on me, but good on you uh, for being there. And I look forward to checking it out. So thank you. Have a wonderful Hanukkah with your, uh, your, your newly wife. And, uh, and yeah, um, we'll see everyone again on Thursday. Oh, wait a second. I'm rushing out of here before we go. I always, I mean, we're, and yes, the year's ending, but guess what? You get to recommend one of our future guests and being a, an Atlanta nonprofit. Is there someone that you'd like to recommend to be on coffee connections? Yeah, definitely. Um, I want to recommend that you talk to Lily Brent. She works for Repair the World, um, which has a regional office here in Atlanta. And they have been doing absolutely amazing work, especially this year um, during the pandemic, um, to bring people groceries and all sorts of different volunteer projects to help uh, people get through the, the this very tough year. So uh, I'll connect you with Lily. She's really fantastic. You'll enjoy talking to her. Yeah, sounds great. A little tikkun olam there, huh? Um, so exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. If I don't talk to you soon, I will see you at a fish show, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, look forward to that. Maybe they'll come I, back to Piedmont Park, Piedmont right? Park. I know. I was. I, I would have been able to walk to that show. I was so excited about that. But uh, hopefully they'll yes. come back. <laughs> well, you know what? That'll be our Hanukkah gift uh, they can give us, right? That'll be the Hanukkah yeah. gift they can give us. Well, Jeremy, thanks so much, everyone. <laughs> we'll see you again. Have a great weekend. Thanks so much, Seth. Uh...